Welcome to California State of Mind, a new podcast from Cal Matters and Cap Radio. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Elizabeth Aguilera. Well, we are coming to you again with new pandemic restrictions on the horizon, this time in the form of regional stay-at-home orders. These will go into effect when ICUs in a region, not just a county, reach 85% capacity. So none of the regions are actually quite there yet. Hasn't started yet anywhere. Counties are grouped into five regions, and that's becoming a point of tension. For instance, L.A. and San Diego counties, which are large counties, are grouped with much smaller ones like Mono and San Luis Obispo counties. Now, at the state level, they're putting these groups together because often if you need to send patients elsewhere, you're going to nearby counties. But for the people who live there and who are going to face restrictions, there's a lot of questions about this. So if a region hits the threshold, what are the restrictions? So there are business restrictions that are a little reminiscent of the March stay-at-home order. Um, When the regions hit that threshold, things like movie theaters, bars, wineries, hair and nail salons, museums will all have to close. Restaurants will have to go takeout only. Um, The biggest difference, I think, between this and the March stay-at-home order is that retail stores can stay open at 20% capacity with a mask and social distancing requirement, all those things. I am surprised about retail stores, but I know that people are going to have a lot of questions, especially for those who this stay-at-home order could mean jobs lost, you know, jobs furloughed, especially if they had maybe just gone back to work after having a few months off, people who are going to have to be applying for unemployment soon. And that department is already under so much scrutiny for sending fraudulent payments, taking forever to begin to support Californians who need their assistance. That's going to cause a lot more stress. Totally. And so that is why this episode is all about the Employment Development Department, that embattled state agency. Um, I talked with people who spent weeks on the phone trying to get their unemployment benefits earlier this year. So we're going to hear from them a little bit later. But first, I invited Lauren Hepler, who is economy reporter for Cal Matters, to talk to us about unemployment scandals, the long wait times for stressed out Californians, and how exactly they're working on those issues as we may see more people coming into the system. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Elizabeth. How's it going? Let's start with the B of A scandal you wrote about. Bank of America handles the contract for unemployment. So how does it work and why did this blow up recently? Yeah, it's a good question. So early this fall, the state announced kind of a big overhaul of the way that it verifies the identity of people applying for unemployment. And they were trying to deal with major concerns about fraud. But almost immediately, we started hearing about all kinds of issues with the debit cards from Bank of America that are issued to distribute unemployment money. Uh, The two most common things we were hearing about were accounts that were suddenly frozen, so you can't use your debit card, or accounts that had been drained of money money or even in the negative in some cases after old credits for fraudulent charges were suddenly reversed without warning. So we started digging to try to figure out what was really going on and discovered that this all goes back to the last recession 10 years ago uh, when California signed an exclusive contract with Bank of America to distribute benefits through these prepaid debit cards. And one thing that folks have 
told us is that they notice right away that these cards are different than the ones they get from their other banks in a lot of cases because they don't have the secure chip on them. So there's a lot of questions about security here, why so many people have been experiencing fraudulent charges. But the idea was that the debit cards would be faster than checks. They would be better for people that don't have bank accounts because you don't have to pay check cashing fees. But now people are really at the mercy of these cards that are having a lot of issues. Yeah. And if you if you do have a bank account, you're stuck with your Bank of America debit card. There's no direct deposit. So you either have to figure out a way to transfer to your regular bank account or go ahead and use that card um, that doesn't have the security options that you, you talked about. I mean, there's so many questions there. But another layer of that is how long it actually takes for applicants to even get their card, right, or get their first payment through unemployment. I know there's been incredible delays for people who've been waiting weeks or even months for help. So will they start getting paid in a more timely manner? What do things look like going forward? Yeah, this has been a huge issue. And over the summer, as far as we know, the state peaked at around 1.6 million, this backlog of 1.6 million unpaid claims. That has dropped now to what we're being told is around 300,000 claims that are still being processed. Um, And the state has added some ways to upload identity documents and those sort of things to hopefully expedite the process. But there's a lot to work through here in terms of people that had existing accounts that are still trying to figure out these fraud issues, trying to figure out where their money is. So there's definitely ongoing questions that are going to have to be answered. Um, But the hope, especially with kind of another um, stay at home order potentially looming in California, is that uh, the state really recognizes what the challenges have been to date and responds to those so that people get access to benefits faster. In talking to people who are dealing with this on an everyday basis, where are they turning if they haven't received their unemployment from the state or the bank or if their account is frozen, as you mentioned, with the Bank of America accounts or, you know, they're dealing with these fraudulent charges? Where are they going to get help? It's been really striking to see a lot of people are forming kind of online communities to share tips about this. Reddit has become a huge community of people talking about what phone number are you calling? What who what kind of manager did you ask for to finally get answers about this? And one phrase that I keep hearing over and over is that people feel like they're being ping ponged back and forth between Bank of America and EDD. They don't really know which agency they should be dealing with to get their questions answered. Um, So, yeah, you see them turning online. They'll talk to the media like you and I, Elizabeth. They'll talk to their state senators or assembly members. It's really kind of anyone that might listen at this point. I mean, and that takes a lot of time for people who probably want to be looking for work or taking care of their children or doing virtual school. There's so much going on right now with the pandemic to be calling, you know, the state or Bank of America all the time. I do want to touch on the fraudulent applicants um, that came in to unemployment from prisoners across the state. This might be a little old and everyone's been talking about it, but it was up to a billion dollars that was fraudulently allocated. How does this happen when supposedly the reason EDD is taking so long to process applications is because they're scanning for fraud? You just mentioned, you know, they're vetting applications. What happened here? Yeah, so fraud is a real issue. While consumer advocates are really adamant that the focus here should be on getting the money to the people who need it quickly, um, there are a few people who dispute that there are major issues with fraud also occurring. So there's the issue you mentioned within the California Department of Corrections, where in a lot of cases, it looks like 
Um, it's people using the name of incarcerated people to apply for benefits, though there have also been anecdotal reports that it is folks inside prisons who are sort of working with people outside to arrange for benefits uh, to be dispersed. So there's kind of a range in how the logistics of it all work. Um, but that's also kind of only one prong and we don't have a complete number yet. Um, we've heard estimates tossed out that the, the final count for fraud will be in the billions when the state has paid out over $110 billion in unemployment since March alone. One thing that I think is going to be really important to watch here is how these issues are resolved for the people whose identities are stolen. I recently learned that you do get a 1099 after the fact. So folks are going to have to fight with the IRS over this. There could be legal bills. It could have impacts on credit ratings. So this is unfortunately something that doesn't look like it's going to be resolved quickly. And does it look likely that we'll see systemic change the way the state handles unemployment after all of this? Does anyone have the power to change that? This looks poised to be a big point of conversation when the legislature comes back next year to Sacramento. We've already seen a group of lawmakers, bipartisan group, ask for answers from Bank of America's CEO about this, and that contract is set to expire next summer. Um, so the state told us that they're considering all options next year, so we might see a change to add direct deposit or potentially change providers, but we don't know yet. Um, and in terms of what happens at EDD, their director is set to step down at the end of this year. So we'll see a leadership change there. And I've heard from several lawmakers that they're considering bringing EDD reform bills, but we don't quite know the specifics of that yet. I want to come back to people because I'm in L.A. County where county officials have already called for a stay at home order. You know, we're expecting a looming lockdown statewide and more people could be potentially applying now in the coming months for unemployment. Are they also going to have to wait three to four months? It's extremely concerning because every day I'm talking to people who are already living in their cars or in dire situations. So that's a huge risk that I think a lot of people are thinking about right now for folks who are coming into the system now. How much better will it be? Um, like I said, there's been this push to kind of do a lot more things online, hopefully make the process faster. Um, but sadly, I think we're about to see in real time whether or not it works. I've been talking to Lauren Hepler, CalMatters economy reporter, about what's happening with the unemployment department. Thanks, Lauren, for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Elizabeth. So it turns out California is just one of three states that does not offer direct deposit to those who receive unemployment. It's pretty unbelievable, actually, given how California likes to be the leader on so many things. So this week, Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez announced that she plans to introduce a bill requiring direct deposit be offered, which will really help folks who want that option instead of being stuck with Bank of America. Yeah, I was going to say it is pretty wild that a state this large and the home of Silicon Valley doesn't even have direct deposit, that people are still being sent debit cards or checks, as we'll hear later. But my question was, why can't the state just rip up that contract with Bank of America? Or will lawmakers like Lorena Gonzalez push for that or not because the contract is up in six months anyway? Or are they just going to stick it out? Yeah, that's something that I know people are talking about. We're hearing legislators are looking at this to figure out a way to make the system work more efficiently and give recipients more op more options. But I don't know how hard it would be after being locked in with Bank of America for so long. Well, we'll wait and see what that bill from Assemblywoman Gonzalez actually looks like and whether there's anything more in it. And I'm sure that other lawmakers will be introducing legislation 
um, to address this system that's caused so much grief for so many people. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to California State of Mind. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Elizabeth Aguilera. Nicole, you talk to unemployed Californians who are living this reality, right? How are they doing? They are hanging on, but it hasn't been easy, that's for sure. Um, And we'll hear a little bit about just all the things that they have gone through this year. So I talked with Brittany Cook. She is in Orange County, and she switched careers to become a substitute teacher right before the pandemic hit. So that obviously complicated things for her. And then I also talked with Cheyenne Demorel. She is in Hayward in the Bay Area, and she and her boyfriend Joseph have a baby at home and got really creative with making ends meet when the pandemic hit. Well, Lauren mentioned that Californians in this situation are reaching out to one another online and trying to figure this out together, giving each other advice on things that worked for them. Did Brittany and Cheyenne do that, too? Yeah, they did. And that's actually how we found them. They're part of this Facebook group that's been created by Erica Chan. She is a filmmaker in Los Angeles, and she founded this group. It has like 60,000 members, um, and it's a place where people have been sharing tips on how to get through to EDD um, since the pandemic hit in March. And Erica joined us for this conversation, too. You've all waited months to get through EDD's system to get your unemployment benefits. Um, Just paint a picture for me about what those weeks and months were like. Like, what did you do for money? And were there times when you had to pick between, you know, spending your time calling EDD or spending your time looking for a job? Um, I guess we'll start with Brittany. So I applied on April 5th and I did not get paid until July 17th. So um, a little over three months, I called as often as I could, but I mean, with kids at home and, uh, you know, you can't call all day, but you call as much as you can. Never, never made it through, not once in the three months. Um, I sent the messages. I, you know, did everything I could on my end and just never was able to get through to them. I ended up contacting an assembly woman. Don't know if that helped or not, but about three weeks afterward, I finally got paid. So I assume it helped, but I really don't know. After about six weeks, we were out of money. We had gone through savings, credit cards, everything. Um, Luckily, we had a family member who was able to help and give us money. And then we were able to pay them back, um, you know, after we got back pay. But not everybody was that lucky. Cheyenne? I did all the work because he became a stay-at-home dad that day, uh, Mm -hmm. March 16th. And our son was five months old. He was sleeping and eating all the time. And if there was any noise in the house, he would wake up cranky. So Joseph could not make phone calls, couldn't eat, couldn't pee, whatever. So I went to work every day and kept uh, my phone just constantly, just obsessively over and over um, calling EDD. We applied on the 23rd of March um, and we got notification that his identity was verified on August 1st. Two weeks later, they released the first payment, and a week later, we received the check. Um, Right before all of that happened, I listened to the news every day, and I was freaking out about a potential economy crash. So I pulled a loan out from my 401k. It's at zero interest. That money was sitting in my savings, and over the following five months, um, I chipped away at that money. We were pretty frugal. Um... Towards the end, when it finally got low, I kind of started to freak out. 
and I started to sell all of our personal possessions that we could live without. I went through the garden. We sold our fences. We sold um, just little <laughs> bags of dirt. We sold <laughs> everything we could. Um, and then while I was selling things on Craigslist, I would try to price things competitively. So I'd look at what other people were selling. I started noticing people underpricing and I started buying their stuff and then cleaning it or refurbishing it and selling that too. Um, so that's what we did to get by. But over the, those few months, um, when he did finally get jobs because of childcare, we couldn't accept any of them. I had a question about that because you're all parents I mean, about how childcare sort of complicated this for you. Um, Brittany, is there any, anything else? It was extremely complicated. Um, you know, I have three children, um, two of which are toddlers. So, um, you know, my oldest is in the middle of distance learning and I worked at a school district, so there was no job for me. I was a substitute. So I was unemployed and there was no, I couldn't go apply to be a substitute somewhere else. There was no substitutes at that, at that point. Um, you know, and I was, there was no point in applying because who's going to watch the children? I, it, it, there was nowhere to go, you know, and I'm, I can't put all three of them in daycare with what money? How is that supposed to work? It's like, I've called these people 5,000 times. I'm stuck. I'm like, I'm honestly, there are days that you just, you know, mental health wise, you just sat there and you're like, I don't, are we going to make it through this? I don't know. We had just been told by the people babysitting that we, they couldn't take care of our son anymore. Um, he is, was only five months old and everybody else there was uh, older and they were having a hard time taking care of him and also taking care of the other kids. So uh, immediately we were like, whew, that's off our shoulders. Daddy's home with the baby. It's perfect. Um, and when we did reach out to uh, ask them again, they declined. We had a backup option where we asked and they also declined. So at that point, we just stopped looking. The, the federal government gave a big boost to unemployment payments at the start of the pandemic. You know, at the beginning, it was $600 a week and then... And, uh, July, August, it became $300 a week. Um, but that money has since run out. So I'm just curious if you could talk about how this extra money helped your situation at the beginning and how you're coping without it. Is money starting to get tight again? Obviously, those boosts were welcome. These are not cheap places to live. Um, and it's also not like you can just pick up and move your entire family in the middle of a pandemic because you no longer can afford to live there. I was able to, with the lump sum, pay back the person I owed money to and pay back some debts that I accrued while, you know, in the situation. But then things got a little tighter again and, and we kind of had to decide, you know, okay, what's most important? Obviously, the mortgage, the car payments, those are high priority bills um, and some things had to go unpaid and that just is what it is. And then I was able to get a part-time job um, not obviously being a, a substitute any longer because everyone's distance learning. So I had to go back to a different profession. Um, and I make now too much money to even get unemployment, even though I'm only working part time and making a third of what I was making before. We also applied for every possible deferral or discount or everything. Um, and unfortunately, some places weren't even offering that. Um, the lump sum that we got back. We had had a hard time believing that we were really going to get paid that much money, but we did and we paid off everything so that we would not have any bills any longer and that this would just work um, permanently. Like him being a stay-at-home dad would be the new permanent life. Um, you know, money is essential 
for mental health in this world. But the number one thing that couples fight over and separate over is money. And so when that started to manifest itself, I began to kind of not pay our bills entirely off enough to keep things from shutting off and to choose to celebrate somebody's birthday or to go get ice cream or something like that. Those payments helped a lot in that regard. Erica, um, I want to bring you in here because you set up this Facebook group um, where people have been sharing tips for getting through to EDD since the start of the pandemic. Um, I'm curious the story behind that and also if you uh, are able to talk about how your finances and your work situation uh, has been the last few months. So I started the Facebook group because I knew a lot of my friends were going to need the help. And I work in the film industry and it's pretty fluid. So I had one job that was going to be in April for, um, it was a Netflix series and that just completely canceled. So I knew all these things were going to cancel for all my friends. So I had posted on my personal page that if anybody needed help navigating it, that I could help. But then people started asking me all these questions about like working in multiple states and things that I didn't know. So I thought maybe I should just use the, you know, collective mind of the internet. And then so I created the group. Um, since the pandemic, though, I, I, um, I actually ended up giving up my apartment because it was too expensive to pay for and not work in the film industry. And at that time, there was not a lot of work going on. Right now, there's a lot more. Um, but it's still a little bit difficult to decide to go back into the film industry because there's just so many people on set at the same time. Although they're, they're very, very good about safety. I just feel like I could just, I can wait a little bit longer, you know, before things can be okay to return. So um, I've been with my parents since then. Well, Erica, I, I wanted to ask you because the governor has hinted that there will probably be another round of shutdowns coming, which would mean another wave of people seeking unemployment probably. Um, do you or any of you three have tips for people that may be wading into this um, scenario for the first time? The number one advice is not to hurry, because I think that's the reason why a lot of people are pending, because they're hurrying through the application and putting like birth date wrongs or social security is wrong. And then it's causing people to not have correct applicants and then, you know, clogging up like calling into the EDD and everything, because of course we're all worried, you know, worried about finances and being able to survive because I think that's like one of the biggest issues, um, like with wrong applicants and stuff, not to say that EDD is good or anything because they're also bad about giving information, but you know, do your part and try to make sure you don't hurry into anything and so that you can make sure your benefits aren't postponed. Piggybacking off of that, obviously, I would say the group is extremely helpful. So that would be like my number one tip is to read through everything. I mean, there's wealths of information in there from people who have gone through it, who have had these conversations with, with EDD and who really understand how the system works, even more so than the EDD employees sometimes. Um, the people in the Facebook group were more helpful, in my opinion. There's no transparency whatsoever. The amount of uncertainty that was created by the government during this process is the reason why so many people were not motivated. If it would have been like UPS tracking where every time your package left a facility and you knew, that information does you no good. But just knowing <laughs> that something is happening, because I was told to just keep waiting, just keep waiting. And 
there's, what do you do at that point? You know, there's a lot of people that trust the government a hundred percent. They think the government is great. And so they sat back thinking they'd be taken care of because that's a human resource and they were fully let down. We were all fully let down. Is there anything else that any of you want to add? I think the government needs to get with the times for real. Like I, all, these aren't all young people applying for money and some of them do use facts. There's no reason why there shouldn't have been a fax number. They need to have a live chat feature, even if it's automated to help people get some information. They need to have everything you expect on like a car dealership website. They need to have and employ all of those methods. It's just, it's unacceptable. <laughs> I know there's tons of people that never received money, have no idea what's going on, still can't get a hold of EDD. And we're what, eight, nine months into this, potentially heading into another lockdown. And I just want to say to people, you know, I'm sorry. I, I hope it gets better. And I hope, I hope that everybody can make it through this because I think that's one of the most, the least talked about issues with the pandemic and unemployment and all of that is the people who don't make it, the people who can't make it, the people who are now homeless, the people who have no food in their house or don't even have a house. I mean, those people are really, really suffering and it just sucks. I, I do want to add off of that. I think a lot of people have given up thinking that they'll never see that money. But I do want to just say that because of the way everything has been handled, we were, we were forced to stay at home and abide by those terms. And to be punished and not get that money is just not really right. And that money is rightly yours. And you shouldn't give up on that. Well, Erica Chan, Brittany Cook and Cheyenne Demorell, thank you all so much for sharing your experiences and your advice with us. And, and best of luck to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Elizabeth, we should note here that we did reach out to EDD to talk about some of these issues, but they did not offer up anybody for us to interview. But we may have somebody from the agency on a future episode. But what really stuck out to me in speaking to those people was you can really hear just how frustrating this whole thing has been for so many Californians. I mean, you can just hear the emotion in their voices and all that pent up frustration. And Nicole, for families that don't have savings or friends or family who can help them get through while they're waiting, it's so difficult. And people are having to make really tough choices right now. Yeah. And then on top of that, I mean, we talked about how the $600 from the Federal CARES Act, the boost to unemployment um, has expired, you know, months ago. And then the, the $300, which was supposed to help fill that gap a little bit, is also gone. So people are getting a lot less on unemployment now than they were um, over the summer. And then also the people who wouldn't typically qualify for unemployment, they did get a lifeline this year through the, the CARES Act and that pandemic unemployment assistance. But that is also expiring at the end of the year. There will be no more extra federal money for unemployment. And Congress is still sort of haggling over this new relief package. If you have an EDD horror story or if you're worried about getting on unemployment with this potential new round of stay-at-home orders, tweet it to us at Your Golden State. We always love to hear from listeners. Thank you for joining us this week on California State of Mind.
California State of Mind is a collaboration of Cal Matters and Cap Radio. It's edited by Nick Miller and produced by Jen Picard. Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Devin Cortan is the technical director. Chris Hagen is our digital editor. Margarita Noriega and Chris Bruno are our masters of marketing. Our social media is run by Emmy Gilbert and Courtney Fong. Dave Lesher is Cal Matters editor and Joe Barr is Cap Radio's chief of content. Make sure you don't miss any episodes. Hit that subscribe button. It's free and you'll get notified every Friday of a new episode. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to California State of Mind. <laughs>